Hello and welcome to Phenomenal. I'm Trisna, a psychologist with an interest in the well-being and fulfilment of artists, performers, creatives, and all those who follow their passion. Phenomenal is a podcast about walking in the shoes of some exceptional people who have paved their own way in life. In this podcast, I hope to not only introduce these phenomenal people, but also give an opportunity to understand them phenomenologically by hearing their lived experience. In this episode of Phenomenal, I speak to sculptor James Parrott. We speak about sources of inspiration, moving on after rejection, and those moments everything aligns and you find yourself the right artist for the occasion. Hi, James. Hi, Tristan. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> um, so you're you're down in Melbourne for the weekend. Yes, four days. Going to the footy. Going to the footy, enjoying my birthday. Did you go to an art exhibition too? I did. I went to see Kim Anderson's exhibition at Flinders Lane Gallery. If any it finishes today, so you won't get along to see it. <laughs> and I'm going to go and see Jimmy Ricks's exhibition at Australia Galleries after this. Nice. Yeah. Who's playing today? Bombers North. Yeah. 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 Bombers are going to win. Of course. And we'll all walk away happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've recently moved to northern New South Wales. Yes. So I've moved to a place called Eureka, which mm-hmm. is um, in northern New South Wales, 20 minutes from Byron Bay inland. So nice. a population of 300. Wow. Nice and small. Five acre property. Um, lots of animals. How beautiful. Snakes. Enjoyable things. Oh, we should say what you do. What do you do? I'm a sculptor. So, yeah, I've been a sculptor for a long time, but um, probably more of a full-time job since about 2005, 2006. So, it's been a full-time job since then. Yeah. Terrible full-time money, but an awesome full-time job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm very lucky that I can have it as a job. Yeah. And do it all the time. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Um. I haven't really told you much about this podcast, but it's basically about sort of lived experience of creative people. Yep. Right. So um, while we're on the topic of, you know, being a sculptor as a full-time gig, I usually ask people to give me like a day in the life. Okay. Yeah. It, mine's all over the place. It really, really depends on what I'm doing and um, what's going on in, in the sculpt year for me yeah so it can be like all admin or it can be all practical yeah or it can be going surfing yeah, nice. <laughs> um like it, it's really a r- bit of a mixture so at the moment i've got a commission in melbourne f- that's due at the end of next year mm-hmm. so there's a bit of admin going on in that because i won't be making the big version mm-hmm. um but then also i'm just Like at the moment, I'm also at this position where I don't really have a whole lot coming up. So I can make my models. So when I make sculptures, I make models first out of cardboard. Mm -hmm. So small versions of them, Mm -hmm. which involves me playing with cardboard and hot Mm -hmm. glue. Um, So at the moment, I'm just making sculptures for sculpture's sake, which I'd say this is the first time in about four or five years that I've just made sculptures for absolutely no purpose whatsoever. And I am absolutely loving it. Yeah. I haven't felt this motivated to 
make models in a long time because sometimes they can be really laborious. Sometimes I even cutting, cutting straight lines out of cardboard I find really annoying. Mm. So um, there's some parts of every process I do that sculpting that isn't enjoyable, but yeah, the yeah. whole process is enjoyable. Yeah. Sometimes I drag, I find myself dragging my feet a little bit when I'm making models and then I'm like, why? Because then when I actually do it, the enjoyment is immense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, at the moment it's very enjoyable being able to – it's probably kind of like a, the reason why I moved to northern New South Wales with the family was to try to get a really good life balance, I suppose. Mm. It felt like a really good choice in life balance. Mm-hmm. So I can go and do some exercise in the morning. I'll go for a surf and then come back and work in my studio for a couple of hours and then the kids can come home on the bus and – Seems just like to work work quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have to mow the lawns though and find firewood and stuff. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> um, and when you're not sort of working actively on a commission or doing admin or whatever, you know, you say you're going surfing. Do do you feel like all of this stuff is part of process? Uh, it's, it's immensely. All of it is immensely important. I think everything that I do is immensely important to yeah. the, to the process. Everything. It all connects together. Yeah. And sometimes you don't realise it connects. Like I skate a lot, skateboard mm-hmm. a lot, and I've been skateboarding bowls a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realise how important creating a line in a bowl mm. is to my work mm. and how, how it's a kind of a similar process. And mm-hmm. If you see my work, it's all about circles and it's all about how they work together and how they intersect together and create new ideas. Yeah. And that's the same in a skateboard ball. How are you going to figure out to get from there to there? Yeah. And I didn't, when I was a kid and skated, I never thought about the thoughtfulness of it, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, but there's a lot of thought involved in that kind of skateboarding. And so that's been a revelation for me. Mm. I also think things like surfing, they're... How do I explain it? They don't necessarily relate to my work so much, but they keep me in the now. Mm. That's a process that all you can do at that point in time when you're surfing or when you're doing stuff like doing exercise or whatever mm-hmm. is think about what you're doing. And I think that that's really important as mm-hmm. well. Like I, you can get distracted or life can distract you and something like that. So it's really good to be in the now mm-hmm. from time to time. And sculpture does that as well. So I suppose it's a way for me to keep in the now when I'm not mm-hmm. doing sculpture. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Um, speaking of being in the now, you said you said to me a little while ago, recently, um, that you feel like your work has been a little bit ma- more chaotic. Yeah, it goes and, in and, and out. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's really, I feel like it's really graceful and sometimes it's really complicated. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going through a really complicated stage at the moment. Yeah. Um, and other people might not look at it and see that it's complicated, but with my work and... People don't need to see this in my work, but when I'm going through it, everything has to relate to each other. So I can't just get this circle from over here and push it into with these circles. It just doesn't work. They mm. they have to relate to each other in some way, in my mind. Mm. So my set of rules that I have inside my head mm. has to work within that work. So yeah. sometimes that means that things are really graceful and, 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 and we were talking about surfing before, can mimic a wave. Mm-hmm not look like a wave can mm. mimic what a wave does mm-hmm. but um other times it's it's maybe the other part of the wave where it's a six foot and nuts and like going mm-hmm. and when that when that power i explain it that there's a peaceful power before a wave and then when the wave goes and crashes into the land mm. it's chaos and anything can happen so yeah, sometimes yeah. it's maybe different parts of it and i, I i'm not a hippie in any way <laughs> so i i want to 
my work didn't start from, oh, I want to mimic the wave, and it never did. You've known me for a long time, and yeah. I never used to think like that. But I, yeah. I think that's kind of, well, maybe it's always been there, and I've just thought about it more recently. Yeah. So the chaos that that can bring. But I don't think that my work's chaotic. It's just that sometimes it's complicated. Oh, I don't think, I think the process is pretty similar the whole time, but maybe uh. the thought process. Uh-huh. But um, all of my ideas start from something small, like I think, well, that circle, that ring's going to go with that ring and the intersection is going to be interesting and that's how it all starts. And yeah, then yeah, they yeah. evolve from there. Yeah. And there's a lot of thought. I used to think it was me procrastinating, but there's a lot of thought that takes takes place during that process and a, a lot of thinking. And yeah. my kids always crack it at me because I'm often away with the fairies half the time. Yeah, just yeah, staring yeah. at it going. And there's a lot of thought going on. I suppose I've been doing it for long enough now that I, I can acknowledge that that is thought and it's productive thought. Yeah. So... Um, where is it going to go next? And it, I let it evolve a little bit and then yeah. I drop it on the floor and it, turn it upside down and go, wow, that looks way better. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. go, oh, cool, great, done. There's, there's a process outside <laughs> I'm not of afraid you. for it to be a, a bit of a accident or a, mis- yeah, a bit of chaos sometimes. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I don't want to hold on to things too tightly and yeah. worry about it. Yeah. I think I've learned over the years you can't worry about it. Yeah, because you did say that um, you feel like you're comfortable with that chaos a bit yeah, more than you used to be. Yeah, I feel fine with it. Yeah, yeah, I feel fine with the it going through different waves. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to keep on pushing it, if you know mm. what I mean. And, and I don't mean like departure from what I do. I never want departure. I want evolution. Yeah. Gradual evolution. But yeah. I don't want to get settled in in classic James Parrott, if you know what I mean. And a friend of mine said that to me a while ago. So he's like... Don't get stuck in classic. And it's a person that I, if he says it, he means it from the heart. Yeah, yeah. So I will listen to it. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Like yeah. there's some people I won't listen to and some people I will listen to. But if he says that, he means it for a really nice reason. Yeah. So I really did, that really struck me. And that's probably when I got a bit chaotic. Yeah, right. Because I was like, oh, let's throw caution to the wind a little bit. And yeah. But it's funny because I'm talking about all these minute things in my work, but people might not see it. Because I suppose my sculptures are very kind of old school, object based mm-hmm. principle, like or foundation. Mm-hmm. So it's not groundbreaking modern what, art. What was your training? I so I uh, where did I start? Monash. I started in nineteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. No, nineteen ninety six. Sorry, I did mm-hmm. my degree at Monash. Started in painting and moved into sculpture at second year. Mm-hmm. And then I did my honours at VCA in two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. 2003 mm-hmm. so yeah just training in that but um sculpture is very well the sculpture i do is very tool based so very trade based mm. so that's what i'm saying the enjoyment i get is making the cardboards that's mm. the cr- most creative part for me yeah and you used to do the sculptors the sculptures yeah as well. and i still do the sculptures a yeah. lot and my uh, my process has refined a lot along mm. the, over the years and I feel like my process is actually really good now. Mm. The problem with my process being good is that that makes them, my sculptures more like, it's not a word, but slicker. Yeah, yeah, no, you know I know what I mean. What like, mean. So they Because the process is so much better. I make outdoor work. So I have to about think about things like longevity and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I have to be responsible. I can't be irresponsible and just yeah, make yeah. something that's going to fall apart in a I year. I know if what pe- you mean because that one that we've got in our lounge room – 
nicks me every time I dust yeah, yeah. it See, because I was the worlds are terrible. <laughs> the worlds are terrible. It's cut out of oxycetylene, so yeah, there's all sorts of mess involved here. That's yeah. But it was an old piece, and I did give it to you for your wedding. No, I love it. Wedding present. So. I actually really love it. I'm um, just teasing. Uh, yeah, so I've become. I, you know, people have taught me to refine my process. Yeah. So my stainless steel work. I mean, I'm no no boiler maker or anything, but mm. my finishes are pretty good now. Mm. Like I often make them too good and they're sharp mm. and everybody freaks out because generally people don't want blood involved in this sculptures. So, and me and some fabricators that have taught me a lot along the way where you just love it when it's super hard edge, but then mm. you always have to go over it in the end and clean it up. So. so that's really interesting. So you've got like your creative process, but you're also keeping in mind things like um injury Inju- well you have like to, outdoor sculptor i did a piece for the australian war memorial in yeah. 2009 and we just kept on the i didn't make it fabricators made it but they're very good friends of mine mm. and we just had the mantra no blood because mm. because they're just so anal about that that part of the process that mm. you just have to be and you have to be responsible I, yeah I, yeah look I don't want to make something that people are going to spend money on and then it's going to die if it's outdoor in a year. Yeah, like yeah. I want it to last. Yeah. So I take a pride in that part of it. Yeah. But I suppose it's quite interesting what we are talking about before with like mess and chaos and all that kind of stuff. Where do I find that really nice balance between perfection and mm. imperfection? Yeah. And so I, I try and find it in the balance of the work. Mm-hmm. So the way it stands, the way it feels, maybe it's going to fall over or the kind of messiness of the way the thing the parts of the sculpture interacting with each other but they can still be perfect in their fabrication mm-hmm. and i feel at, at peace with that a little bit now mm-hmm. yeah so i yeah. feel like it's a kind of a nice medium but it is yeah it's tricky sometimes that, yeah. that part of it yeah and even just like administratively like you were talking about the logistics last night of like getting a five meter sculpture yeah, yeah. from Coburg to Dalesford like yeah well <laughs> It, there's a lot of logistics involved and there's a lot of admin involved and, yeah. and that's part of it. Like you have to embrace that part of it. Yeah. I, like uh, I, I, I've spoken to so many artists and, and they want to be creative and they just think that they can just be creative and that's it. But in order to be a professional, mm. um, you have to take on that part of it as well. And mm. I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy, I was saying I make these models out of cardboard and that's the most creative, but then I actually really love making them structurally viable mm. pieces as well. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be replicas of the model. They have to embrace the feeling of the model. So mm-hmm. they can evolve from there as long as I feel comfortable with the feeling of the final piece. Yeah. So they have to evolve. Like, you know, there's... Ob- uh, um, health and safety that you have to think about mm. and like i'm doing a commission for a sports center at the moment mm. so i have to think about the fact that somebody might clonk their head on it or somebody mm-hmm. might try and climb it and fall off and mm-hmm. i like it i kind of enjoy that part of it as yeah. well sometimes it's annoying but again it's a part of the whole package mm. that is me doing what i do and mm. fundamentally i like doing what i do so there are some you can't have... So you take the good with yeah, the bad. you have to. Like, I don't <laughs> like grinding for tw- 10 hours a day, but yeah. like, it's part of the process. Yeah. And then when it's finished, I'm like, oh, that looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it looks good for me. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's... And we were talking about this off off, off microphone. Air. Yeah. It's got to... you got to do it for yourself and you've got to enjoy it. And yeah, yeah, I just yeah. always get back to that point where... When I finish something that I've really done what I want it to do, there's yeah. no better feeling. There's yeah. nothing better. Yeah. Especially when you're playing some cheesy 80s hip-hop and you can have a dance and yeah. get into it. Yeah. Like this, that, 
that's the that's the bit that's yeah. the money bit and i like in winning things and getting huge commissions and rich people to buy your work is awesome <laughs> as well i'm not saying that's not awesome yeah but the fundamental bit that you can always go back to is that moment and it doesn't always happen but yeah when you get it you're like ooh, that's good yeah yeah I like it. <laughs> well, another thing that you were talking about off air that um, is also, you know, not the creative part of it, which is also a part that's maybe not your favourite part, is going for things. like Yeah, you getting know, in and not getting in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a part of it. And, I mean, everybody creative, everybody in these kind of industries understand that that's part of it. Mm. Um, and the whole idea of exposure and stuff like that, but mm. we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so every year I apply for 20 things or I don't know how many of them, anything, sculpture prizes, commissions or whatever, and mm. I always get less than I get, mm. like get into. Mm. And it's just a, it's just part of it. Mm. I try and, uh, first of all, I remember back in the old days, I used to get really upset by it and go, well, why didn't they pick me and blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Mm. I still feel like that a little bit, but I let myself... But the new rule, well, the rule that I've had for quite a while is I get, you know, straight away the letter or the email, yeah. you know, from the title or, you know, from the first sentence, yeah. thank you very much for applying. We mm. had blah, 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 people apply. Yeah. I didn't get in. Yeah. Right? So you yeah. already know you don't the need to read the rest of it. was very high. Yeah. Yeah. It was very hard process. Mm. I don't want to hear any of that. It's nice of them to say, but mm. um. So I give myself a day. Mm-hmm. This is my rule. Mm-hmm. I can bitch and moan about it as much as I want in that day. Mm-hmm. Oh, why didn't they pick me? My work is so much better than blah, blahs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then move on. Yeah. Like there's no point in worrying about it. Yeah. And also that whole idea of my work's better than that person's work does not exist. Yeah. It, it's subjective. Yeah. People are invested in their work just as much as I'm invested in yeah. my work. So good luck to them. Good That's on a really it's nice not a, attitude. It's not a competition. I I was in a commission with these three or four other sculptors um, for Toyota actually and we got yeah. to go to the Toyota factory and we got to do a tour and we were like little boys having <laughs> the best day ever. Yeah. It wasn't a competition. We were like, look at that crazy laser over there. We were yeah, like having yeah, a great yeah. time. And it's not a competition between us because they're going to the, – the commissioner or the – the buyer or whatever is going to pick what they like. There's yeah. nothing I can do about what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. But talking about being professional, I've got to give them everything that I can give them to show them that I can do what I'm going to do. Yeah. I have to show them that I'm good at what I do, but yeah. then they're going to make an aesthetic decision or a, or a, or a, or a decision. So mm. it's not a competition between me and other sculptors. It's a, not even a competition between myself. I've just got to do the best I can do mm-hmm. in the idea that I've got. Mm. And if I don't get in, I don't get in. It doesn't mean it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. It just means that's not what they're looking for this time. And so, sometimes you know you're not going to get in because you weren't emotionally invested in it, uh-huh. I think. Sometimes I can grab onto something within a commission, but sometimes it's just not going to work. Like I want to get the commission because it's a $300,000 commission. But yeah. My idea is just not going to work. Like they, they always have these... Uh, has to be environmental, it has to be cultural, it has to... Mm. My work just doesn't work like that. Mm. My work is essentially aesthetic, mm. which there's nothing wrong with that as well. But and is that a funny thing too, like balancing, you know, because you have a family. Yeah, yeah. Like balancing the need for money. Yeah. <laughs> and... I, I, I mean, I'm really lucky in that I just had a... I'm one of those really, really lucky people that if I need to, I can kind of get a little bit of work from my mum. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was buying a studio, 
my grandparents passed away and left me a bit of money so mm-hmm. I could get that and a loan and pay that off. So I'm in this really lucky position where I'm not in debt. Yeah. So I can kind of make a go of it a little bit yeah. more easily. So yeah. I know that I'm really lucky in that respect. But yeah, look, I have to try and make some money sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I have to deal with like the the kind of sculpture that I make, the reality is that I have to deal with some seriously rich people. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like next level business. Yeah. And they're and the sculptures themselves are really expensive They're to really make. expensive. They like a lot of them. Oh, they, people don't realise how much money yeah. the work that I just cost to make. Like just the grind. We were talking about grinding before. Grinding mm. wheels. If I go into a shop and buy some grinding stuff for a sculpture, I can walk away, spend $1,000, no problems, mm. and it can disappear in two weeks. Mm. The, stain, the stainless steel I use is marine grade stainless steel. It costs mm. thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm. I don't put man hours into my work if I make it. And it still would cost me $20,000 to make a medium-sized mm. sculpture. Mm. But that's the choice that I made. Nobody should feel sorry for me. That's no, no, what no, I like yeah. to do. And you enjoy the work. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I want to make something of quality. And so that's the materials I need to use in yeah. order to make something of quality. And I like it. I yeah. like the materials. So that's the world that I've chosen in my art world. This is mm-hmm. the world that I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just have to deal with people that just don't think like you but a lot of the times they just think about it in a different way and sometimes yeah. it just destroys your soul a little bit yeah because you're emotionally invested in what you're doing if you're not emotionally invested in it then, you've, then it shouldn't exist yeah. yeah and that's where these rejections that we were talking about before like i'm a, i allow myself to be upset about it because i was emotionally invested yeah in it. so i wanted to get it because i believed in the work and i believe in the work that i do yeah. so of course i think that i could I think I'm in a position now in my career where I know people know that I can do what I'm, I say I can do. Mm. So that's really great because mm. I've done it mm. successfully a number of times. So, you know, I like the idea. So I'm emotionally invested in that. So if I don't get it, I'm like, well, damn it. They're yeah. missing out on a big sculpture. Sometimes they hurt a lot more than others. We were talking about this before. Sometimes mm. they really sting. Mm. But that's okay. It just means you were even more emotionally invested in it. But then I also had a re- have revelations that, like, so I didn't get into a sculpture prize that I really wanted to get into this year that I probably, if I'm being honest with myself, assumed that I was going to get into mm-hmm. at the stage I am in my career and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I feel like I deserve to get into it. I've mm-hmm. worked this hard. And I didn't get in. And, and then I had a revelation that maybe I shouldn't be thinking like that. If I think that I should deserve to get into it, then that's wrong. I shouldn't think like that. I should com- keep on struggling. Yeah. I know that's a weird word to say. No, no, no. That's what it is. It's a mm. constant. It's never, mm. ever going to not be that. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's what it is, like, it's got to always be like that. Yeah. And it shouldn't be any other way. Yeah. Because if I start thinking like that, then I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Because i got to go back to basics. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What do I enjoy about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I always try and do. But, yeah, so that one that really stung, I was like, oh, man, I deserve to get into this one, you mm. know. And then two days later, I was like, I don't deserve to get into anything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's so that. balanced. <laughs> no, no. It's really. That, I mean, it's easy for. It sounds like I've really got it all together, but that's not true at all. I but it's interesting that you actually like. Um, have almost formalised the process of recovery from something. Yeah, I think I had to. Yeah. Otherwise, you dwell on it for way too long yeah. and it, re- it wrecks you. Mm. Like, why? I can't keep on dwelling on the fact that I didn't get that commission five years ago that I would mm. love to have got because we move. it moves so quickly. Yeah. And 
how's that going to help the creative process yeah. in any way, shape or yeah. form? It's not. Because yeah. again, it's not, you can't go, it's not the idea wasn't good enough. You've got to stay strong stay true to what you are doing i'm mm. never going to change what i do i mean you know mm. like you've known me for long enough it's been an evolution like, yeah 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 but you you are also very much yourself yeah yeah like, it's just yeah, the process yeah. That, yeah and like so i had to kind of formulate a way of dealing with it yeah that was okay like yeah. that was going to make me move on yeah and my sister often says to me she said james all things have always popped up later Mm. that are better mm. sometimes. Mm. So just keep on your path. I'm curious actually because um, you and your sister both have creative occupations. Yeah. Is there like was there – you grew up in Hobart. <laughs> it was, like, I don't was, know where it came yeah, from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were were talking... you brought up a certain way or <laughs> – I don't know. Um, I don't, we, we have talked about this so we yeah. don't know where – so my sister's a writer and a, a bloody good one. Mm. Um my grandmother used to do horrible oily pa- oil paintings, but I suppose she was creative in her own <laughs> way. And I think mum, my parents split up when I was six or seven and we yeah. moved to Hobart with my mum. So yeah. I think my mum always told us to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. So I think that helped. Yeah. And then we started in, we were both kind of alternative kids, I suppose. I don't know, like yeah. that kind of whole scene. Like, yeah. So, you know, probably around the time I met you were a little bit earlier with my, my, my mate Dave, we started listening to alternative music and all yeah. that kind of thing. I think that kind of world really opened me up to that. Yeah. And my sister introduced me to that because she used to be hardcore gothic. Yeah. She doesn't want anybody to How tell How funny. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you some photos. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think all of that world, but I suppose we were liberated from the start in that mum never said to us, you have to get a job that's going to earn money and you have to be mm-hmm. an accountant. I suppose mm-hmm. she was going through a bit of a life-changing experience as well to getting mm-hmm. divorced and moving to Hobart and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff probably helped the process. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how it ended up. Yeah, maybe we just never thought, felt like we had to get real jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what we do is real. They are real. Well, and They're just undervalued. Well, that's, <laughs> and that's a really important point. Yeah. That's the, the cr- absolute crux of the matter is yeah. that we're totally undervalued. And yeah. again, I'm not going to – don't woe is me, no. woe is any of us, but we're totally undervalued. Mm. And that's what I was talking about before with exposure, mm. the idea of exposure. Uh, excuse my French, but fuck off with yeah. exposure. Like, yeah. Yeah. An accountant doesn't need exposure. No. Like why do we have to do things for exposure? Mm. Why are we not thought of in a professional way? Because I certainly think of myself in a professional way and I certainly act in a professional way. Yeah. I certainly go about my business in a professional way. So yes. why aren't I being treated like a professional? Yes. Why is this rich person saying to me, oh, I'm gonna off I'm gonna try and buy this for forty percent off when he would not dare do that in a professional way. No, and beyond that, actually, beyond taking pride in your professionalism, um, can you talk on sort of the value of art? Actually, because I think people consider it to be kind of decorative and superfluous or whatever. My feeling on the matter is that yeah, like people will say that's what they think, but mm. then they'll go and buy their nice car and they'll go and buy like. And it's an aesthetic car, uh, and they'll buy their aesthetic house, and they'll buy their aesthetic pot for their their their, their mantelpiece or whatever. Uh, so why why how is that any different to them liking or disliking art? It is art. They go and see a movie and they have a conversation with their friend about it. Mm. That's art. Mm. So why are they then then undervaluing it as well? Because it's mm. an important part of their life. They're reading a book. Mm-hmm. 
So I yeah, I feel like that people are undervaluing it because they're not thinking that it's part of their life and it's part of the culture. Mm. And without it there, they'd be like, whoa, man. And maybe it's just too invisible. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, like they just take it for granted. And then when it, if it wasn't there, mm. they'd be like all of a sudden, yeah. oh, where's it gone? But I mean, maybe I'm just giving the human nature, uh, I'm thinking too nicely of them. Maybe they don't think about it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I am surrounded by people that are creative and mm. and and stuff and so i suppose sometimes it's hard for me to know what other people are thinking yeah like yeah sometimes tradies talk to me and like oh what oh, some of them don't even know what sculpture is I, I remember i had an electrician he's like what's that wow and i was like oh. but then i say i weld and then they love me because yeah 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 and it's, it's real it's like anybody can weld <laughs> if you practice long enough you can do it yeah. um I think that they should take more, you know, I mean, of course, I think that people should pay more attention to the arts and I think the government should be giving more money to it and mm. it should be treated like a profession. Mm. But maybe it's an historical thing, I don't know, but it annoys me mm. and I never want to be doing things for exposure again. Mm. Yeah. Have you done any um, commissions that you that felt really meaningful to you? Yeah, I have. And that's what we were talking about before, about grabbing mm. onto something. The war memorial I did in... The piece at the War Memorial in Canberra, it mm -hmm. was for the 70th anniversary of the events in Rabaul and on board the Montevideo Maru um, in Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. And so I'll explain it very quickly, but yeah. it's Australia's greatest maritime disaster. And so what happened was the Japanese people invaded Rabaul in Papua New Guinea and, mm -hmm. and took some prisoners of war on a ship called the Montevideo Moto and they had a thousand prisoners of war mm -hmm. and they didn't have the white flags up on their ship and an American submarine blew it up mm. and killed everybody on board. Mm. And so I applied for that piece at commission and got it and kind of thank God I didn't realise how big it was. But mm. I could really feel, I really felt connected to the idea of it being in the ocean and me, my sculpture, um, I really wanted to have the idea of them, of it protecting the people that died, mm. protecting the, the memory of them. So yeah. it's kind of a wave that's kind of covering and you can kind of stand under it. And it kind of, well, I mean, it, it's in my own style, but it kind of looks like a few things that kind of resemble that. And I feel like I really nailed it. Yeah, I feel like I was really emotionally invested in the idea from the start. Mm. And then once I got it, I kind of felt, I understood the magnitude of the event mm. and then it was a big event and they had like 2,000 people there and people cry. It was a woman came up to me that survived and she was bawling oh, her eyes wow. out and she just loved it. And so I kind of am glad that I didn't know the gravity of that part of it until after I had kind of got the commission because mm. then I might have felt the weight of the world on top of me. Yeah. I felt free and that I had to, I felt like I had a really good idea. Mm. And then from then it's turned into this thing where people have really kind of embraced it. Mm. And it's an abstract form. Mm but they've still embraced it. Mm. So it's, it was really meaningful, that one. And then I just work... And then at, at the other side of meaningful, there are works of mine that are really meaningful to me, mm. really, really meaningful, like mm. really turn a corner. Or, mm. And they're not necessarily works that other people like, mm. but there are some that really mean a lot to me mm. and really have changed the way I think about it. Yeah. Because they re represent just, something? or like Just they... <sighs> a success in my what I wanted to achieve mm -hmm. like in the style that I wanted to achieve mm -hmm. and like the feeling that I got from it and mm -hmm. they just really 
I mean, if a sculpture still, when you look at it, like I, I know it so well and I know every single bit of it and I can still look at it five years later and go, oh man, I like that one. Like that's meaningful for me like because mm. it really touched a kind of feeling and an aesthetic feeling in what I like or yeah. whatever. Yeah. They're not, as I said to you before, they're not overly deep in that they don't have a lot of meaning. Not necessarily, no, no, that's the wrong way to put it. They have a lot of meaning to me, but they don't mm. necessarily have to have meaning to anybody else. Mm-hmm. As long as they start conversations, that's yeah. fine. But um, hate or lo- or like conversations either is fine. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a different type of meaning. But commissions, sometimes you can, if it's got a good idea behind it, they can you can really get involved mm. with it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, beyond like um, skating and surfing. Yeah. Are you, what's your sources of inspiration? Um. Music as well. I mean, like I've always played music and and, and done like that, and and it can all. <laughs> I'm into music. That whole idea. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. into music, yeah. but I suppose like it really mean like there's music that really has meant something to me. Mm. And we were just talking before at the moment. I'm listening to a lot of '90s angry alternative music, and that mm. I mean when in the that was a fundamental part of my life. Mm. So it really means something to me, and mm. so when I'm listening to it now, it kind of like still means something to yeah. me. And I suppose when I was young, I didn't understand that you get stuck in the music genre, but I'm totally stuck in it now. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's an inspiration. Lots of things are. Like watching my kids do cool stuff, that's an inspiration. Watching my friends do cool stuff. Like I was saying, you know, I know so many creative people, Mm. like so many people I know and have known for long periods of time do amazing things. And it's different stuff, mm. but it just inspires me. A lot of other sculptors really inspire me as well mm. about how they go about it and other artists. Mm. An artist that I probably, you probably wouldn't put two and two together, but a really good friend of mine, Emma Langridge, mm-hmm. she's a painter. Yeah. And we just seem to really hit it off in the way that we go about our processes. Yeah. Like, and so her, like I'll see a photo of a tiny little bit of one of her paintings and I'll just, just go, oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it really gets me going. Just inspires me in that she's so successful in what she's trying to achieve. Mm. So success in what you're doing. Yeah. And like, I'm not blowing, making you sound so good, but you (laughs) doing, no, no, no. But like when we lived together and you started Underbelly and all that kind of stuff, I really admired that. Like I really admired that and I really admire what you're doing now. So Mm. it doesn't have to be at what I'm doing, but it can be a total inspiration in people doing, grabbing hold of what they're doing and, and doing it properly, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the seminars that you wanted, like the group things you wanted mm. to do. I love that idea. So that mm. inspires me that you wanting to try and do that. Mm. And you're the There's best. A, um, you're, you're the best, Tristan. Ah, James. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know what I, I mean. Knew I I'm had like, you on as a guest and, for and, a reason well, and Dave, to blow my trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> and my friend, good friend Dave, what yeah. he does is amazing. All yeah. of those people, Sean, like all these people that we know, like we don't yeah, need to yeah. name, but yeah, all of those people really inspire me. Yeah, to, yeah. to kind of keep going. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of this woman, Brené Brown. She's really big oh, at the moment. Yeah, right. It's a little bit. Um, uh, no, what what the stuff that she says is good. It's um, it's very mainstream, I guess. Okay. But but she does have this thing that I like. This idea of like belonging, right? Yeah. If if your if your um, way of belonging is fitting in, you are kind of um, doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, totally. 
And I think what you're talking about is like when you look at your friend Emma's work or whatever, um, you admire the fact that she's like a vehicle for her own expression or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that kind of belonging is so nice because it's actually embracing Yeah, and you can really relate to people in a deep, like a deep way almost. Like, yeah, and I always try and tell my – and I don't – I'm not trying to be all cool and alternative if I'm cool and alternative, but I just keep on trying to tell my kids, don't listen to what these people are – don't listen to what these people are telling you. You just go off on that tangent if you want to go off on that tangent. And that can be tough. Mm. It can be tough for everybody. Mm. Like, you know, being who I was in high school or whatever, it wasn't immensely popular. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you have those people that you can relate to on a deep level. They get you through. And then you blossom. And then you're in charge of your own thing yeah I, yeah, I, yeah I firmly believe in that yeah and I've probably am more full-on about that yeah. now than I was like yeah I'm more full-on about you know no no don't listen to anybody else just do what you want to do yeah and yeah. especially with what I and I what I was talking about with my sculpture before like my sculpture is not trendy sculpture in any way shape or form mm. so it's classic though right? yeah, it's classic but classic isn't cool in any way <laughs> shape or form but that's I'm not going to change what I'm doing that's, no. that's what I like and I also really like the fact that um I don't look at you and think classic no <laughs> no I'm not the most classic looking guy in the whole world <laughs> you look like a trainee <laughs> <laughs> um I look yeah well I have to do a lot of grinding so sometimes yeah, well, I look like go. a bloody trainee yeah um yeah I just I, I don't think I've changed my style since no, you <laughs> since about 20, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I just and I spoke and we would yeah. I think I embrace it more. Like I embrace the fact that I grew up skating more mm. now, and I mm. inf- embrace that kind of the music that I used to listen to more about it just changing my life and mm. and it being a culture. Mm-hmm. There being a culture involved in it and mm-hmm. a deep culture. Like even skateboarding, there's a culture there. Like. Mm-hmm that doesn't exist in other sports mm. it's an, and it's an artistic culture. Mm. So I can, I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I agree with what that person said. Yeah, <laughs> and she's about as far from being a skater yeah, as yeah, you've right. ever seen. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that we've been talking about this the whole way through, but if you were to sort of sum up what you value in life, what? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, it's a really interesting question. I like... Uh, <laughs> I value relationships with people. Uh-huh. I think I've re- probably a vet, like that's probably the most important mm-hmm. thing. If you can't have that kind of what have you got if you don't have that? Like yeah. having relationships with 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 amazing people, and, and whether that be on a sculptural level or just a chatting to somebody yeah, on yeah. the street, it's just so important. Like there's just nothing else. No. I mean, we're all we all understand that. None of us are going to be rich from doing what we're doing. No. Like I'm never, ever going to be able to make an awesome wage out of it. Mm. So, and that's okay. Mm. But so what is there? What, what can, what is there? What's important then? Mm. Relationships along the way. The relationships that I've made along the way are probably, now that I can think about it a little bit older, I'm, they've been the most important to me. Mm. And I've made some amazing relationships along the way with people that I thought I wouldn't make them with. Mm. Um, lawyers and just, mm. a, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I have time for a story, but yeah, yeah I made a sculpture for a woman. Um, her name is Leonie, and she was, she's was a, quite a corporate lawyer, mm. and she commissioned me to do a sculpture over her pool. Mm. 
and they were amazing because they were just like, do whatever you want over this pool and like, make it go further over the pool. And it's, an ama- it's one of my favourite pieces that I ever made. And we became friends along the process. And then mm. after that, we kept in contact and I would always go and visit her. Probably every couple of months, we'd go and have a coffee together. Mm-hmm. Um, she had cancer the whole time mm. and she'd been battling it for a very long time. And mm. then she, it was her nephew's 21st coming up. And mm. she's like, I want to have buy one of your sculptures to... Um, for my nephew's 21st. And I knew the whole family because I'd met them along the way as well. And so I'm like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, let's do this properly, right? You're going to help me make it. So I just took some cardboard circles to her house and I said, there is no pressure here. This is meant to be fun. Mm. Just muck around. If you come up with a shape that you like, that's cool. If you Mm. don't, it doesn't matter. We'll come up with something. Mm. And she mucked around for a little while and she was really nervous about it. And then she came up with a shape that she liked. And I was like, cool, I can totally make that into a sculpture. And mm. with my own style involved in that. Like, mm. It's already got the shapes that I like in it. So that's cool. Mm. So I started making it and um, the I finished the model. She saw a photo of it and died the next day. And um, so, yeah, that kind of whole process was pretty, like that's a relationship that's pretty amazing. Mm. And being able to then give that to her nephew for his 21st a couple of months yeah. later as a finished stainless version, mm. that you know, that's a pretty amazing thing to be involved in, to mm. be able to be involved in. And the sculpture let me be involved in that and let yeah. me into their lives and let me be part of it. Yeah. So I feel really privileged that I could be part of that. Yeah. 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 Oh, Sad story. Yeah, but an amazing story as well. It is an well. amazing like, story. Yeah, yeah. And, and I she mean, was an amazing person. Yeah. And so I was, you know, there was no doubt that I was going to do a good job. Like I put all my soul into that one yeah, yeah. as well. So, and yeah. even the way just that you spoke about um, how you got her to do that process. It almost like captures what your process is. Yeah. Like, don't worry. I'm not afraid Just, yeah. Yeah, for it to be like, yeah, everybody goes, oh, like sometimes some people are like, oh, you're amazing at what you do. And that's mm. great. I'm like, I feel like I'm amazing at what I do, but I don't want to be put on a pedestal about no, it. No. Like you guys can do what you do and you can do it just as well as well. Like, yeah. Like, Although we're undervalued, sometimes people say, oh, artists, I couldn't do what you do. But you probably could do it in your own way yeah. if you put your mind to yeah. it and if you spend time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want it. Yeah. So I like kind of being able to bring it down to everybody. Not bring it down. That's a terrible way to say it. I like everybody being able to think about doing it. Yeah. So in she understand she understood what she loved in sculpture she mm. bought a lot of sculpture and she so she knew mm. what she liked mm. so she had it in her to be able to make a shape that she thought was looking good yeah and who's to say that's not a great shape yeah it's not for me to say yeah and yeah. it was a good shape yeah and it turned into a great sculpture yeah yeah so yeah yeah i'm happy for it everybody to have a go yeah yeah and Sometimes the relationship is that and still get commissions yeah <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I reckon I might let you go and go to the footy. Yeah, all right, cool. May the best team win. Yeah, well, we all know who the best team is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. No worries. Thanks, Trista. Thinking back on my guests this year, I've interviewed two people of my own generation, Malia Walsh and James Parrott. Marketers call us Gen X. My other two guests, Claudia Sanjorgi Delamore and Ender Bashkan, are both of the millennial generation. 
I don't put that much stock in defining the generations, but I don't mind reflecting on the different environments and events that happen in the background of people growing up. To talk very generally, it seems that over the last century, successive generations have experienced a loosening of rules, expectations and categorisation. Diversity is a fact of life that more people discuss and responses to it range from fearful extreme conservatism to embracing and celebrating difference. I usually conclude the podcast with a reference to something I've been listening to, watching or reading. Reflecting on my conversation with James about belonging as you are and celebrating people following their own paths, I wanted to share a little bit of my own domestic life. I recently observed my eight and ten-year-old children watching old videos of themselves as kids. My daughter said to my son, It's great to see you're still as eccentric now as you were back then. Keep up the good work. I'm not sure if my kids' generation has been pinned and named yet. I guess they might squeeze into Gen Z, but I've also read that the next one might be called Gen Alpha. I hope they give marketers a run for their money, keep them guessing, and elude definition. This is the last podcast for 2019, but I'll be back in 2020 with six more phenomenal guests. Thanks to Malia, Ender, Claudia and James, and to Alicia Brooks for recording and editing the conversations.